Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. My name is Thomas Majors, and I'm joined by David Haynes. Thomas, it has been so long since we've seen each other. It has been like a week yeah. since we've <laughs> seen each other, but it has been a very long time since we have recorded a podcast. And I'm just going to be honest with you, feels kind of nice. feels kind of nice to sit back down here and record a podcast. We're in different settings than we were before. We are. We we, are. we used to record at Holly Baptist Church, and now we're recording. Yeah, at Trinity Baptist Church. At yeah. Trinity, in a whole different county. I, we are. We're in a whole, but thankfully, we're still in the great state of Mississippi. Amen. So, yeah, <laughs> we are here. We're recording in my office today. And, uh, well, you're no longer at Holly Baptist Church. You you left there about a year ago as pastor. They now called a exciting new great pastor. He's going to take them into the next century. That's like 80 years from now. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't know they called Methuselah, but he'll uh, <laughs> take them a long way. <laughs> That's right. That is right. I'm still here at the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church. It's been my sixth year. I will complete my sixth year uh, first day of September. So it won't be very long until we will have completed six years here. So last year, we we just had a lot of things changing in our yeah. life. And it became so difficult with COVID and COVID ministry and, and me leaving from Holly that we decided to stop. Now things are slowing down, getting more back to... Uh, to, to some sense of normalcy? Yeah, really, it is. Yeah, I, I feel at normal. Now, you're in a new ministry position. You've only been there for a year, two semesters. Are you at a normal now for you? I'm definitely not at a normal, but okay. but it's uh, slowed down quite a bit for me Yeah, a, in the sense that uh, I'm about to start teaching some things that I've taught before, so prep time isn't going to be as long yeah. as it was before. And so just because we're getting back to normal— David and I thought we should start back recording some yeah, podcasts. That's right. We should. Yeah. And I guess what really spurred it on was Brother Mark asking us to do that that's deacon's right. banquet. Yeah. Which Mark Howard asked us to do that. Initially, he asked us like, well, yeah, like eight months or a year ago. And then when we had a plan for January of 2021, which is now like five months in a review, but COVID was still interesting and difficult at that time. So we had to postpone the Itawama Baptist Association Deacons Banquet. But then we had it like what, uh, two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah like, two weeks. Know, yeah, last Monday. And uh, so we were able to get together and entertain. And uh, and I've had a really good time. I had a lot of good questions with that. And so, hey, we decided we still like each other and we're going to try this one more time. We're so excited. So Thomas, how are we going to be doing this thing of a podcast? What should our listeners expect? All right. So a very similar format to what we did before. Today, it is, uh, what is today's date? Today, May, Friday, yeah. Friday, yeah. May 28th. 28th. Yeah, Friday, May 28th. In the year of our Lord, 2021. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to record uh, four, four podcasts today. We are. And we're going to try to release those uh, once a week. Now, we were re releasing on Mondays before. I think so. I think Tuesday is the better day to release. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to change that to Tuesdays. Okay. Still be at 5 a.m. But we will release as they, as we have those. Yeah. And we really want to go back to that non-pressure type setting. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, that's what we want to do. We, we think that we had become too encapsulated in our own preparation instead of the organic discussion that might happen. And so that's what we're wanting to do is just recapture the us just talking. Is that right? Yes. And and there was a lot of pressure. Like every yeah. week we needed to release something every week. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to get back into that pressure no. type state. 
of having to release something every week, but I enjoy having the conversations with you. Yeah. I think some of the people who listen enjoy listening <laughs> to us. Some of them enjoy listening. Um, <laughs> like my mothers. Mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wife doesn't listen, so nope, I can't say her name. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. So we don't have that pressure, and it's it's more of something enjoyable that we get yeah. to do instead of something that we have to check off on a list. That's and right. And it just becomes monotonous in yeah. our life. So we hope to be consistent, but if life happens and we're not able to be consistent, we are we are so very appreciative of the listeners we had, the listeners we have. We're thankful for you who are listening right now, and we hope that you tune in again next week and and consistently listen with us as we just kind of we just kind of talk. You know, we don't solve many of the world's problems, but we just kick the can further down the road and have a good time doing it. We may create more problems than I have we actually solve. You may be right about that, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's on our topic for today, Ooh, David? So our agenda today is showing a question, can a Christian be led astray? Can a Christian be led astray by a cult? And so that's kind of what we're thinking about today. I don't know who wrote this question. Well, actually, I do. It was me. But, <laughs> but, but I was prompted by my wife who asked me a question a few weeks ago. She was doing something that was novel. I don't know if, I don't know if most wives do this, but she was reading her Bible. Ooh. Yes. And she came to me and asked a question and it is so interesting. She laughs because she has put me through a bachelor's degree at Blue Mountain and a master's degree at Liberty and a doctorate at Liberty. And uh, yet her most simple Bible questions, I typically have no answer for. And uh, so she came to me and said, can a Christian. And so I put in parentheses on my question, can a true Christian, we're not talking about a cultural Christian who is a CEO, Christmas and Easter only, who has never been blood bought or redeemed. We're talking about a a true Christian name in Lamb's Book of Life type of Christian, you know, similar to me and you. We're talking about a Christian. Can they be led astray? Can they be deceived can they be led astray by a cult? So that's our that's our topic, Thomas. Yeah, all right. So it's pretty good. And it's a pretty good uh, topic. Really good question. Yeah. My initial. Yeah. Now, okay. So I prepared. I prepared this sure. with this question. You did. Can a Christian be led astray? And I kind of ended it there. Yeah. But by a cult. Uh, but I like the way you asked it right then. Can uh, a true. true Christian. Yeah. So I am going to say no. We are in agreement. Yay! <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> it's good. Hope you enjoyed it. Tune in again next time. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Right. Yes. I say no also, but, but you go ahead with your butt and tell me what you're thinking. Okay. So immediately when I was preparing for it, I didn't yeah. put true Christian. Mm hmm. I think we would all agree that there are people whom we may describe as Christians sure. or they may describe themselves as Christians, yep. but they are not true Christians. And so those people who may describe themselves or we even may describe themselves, but they're mm -hmm. not actual true believers in Christ. Yeah. Those people can be led astray. Yeah. By a cult, they can be led astray by false doctrines. Uh, but a true yeah. Christian, I do not believe, can be. 
I agree. You know, Billy Graham, I, I, I quoted this the other day here at Trinity Baptist Church on our Wednesday midweek service. Billy Graham, I think, said something like, in his opinion, only 25 or 30 percent, something like that. It was a low number. 25 to 30 percent of church members are actually Christians. And so if that's the case, then you could say easily, easily 70 to 75 percent of church members very well could be Christians. And I know most churches have inflated membership roles. We rarely ever purge membership. Sometimes, just the other day, we were looking through to see if a person who recently was deceased, recently had died, if they were a member of our church, they were not. But in looking, so I, looking through the members, I saw well, that guy died, and uh, I know he's dead. I did his funeral, but he is still here <laughs> on our rolls. And uh, we need to make sure. And, and then we we updated our rolls. Now, here's the most important question. Y- yes, he still voted. Yes. <laughs> he, vo- <laughs> he, he voted in the last presidential election. Yes. <laughs> right. But that's the thought of it. So so with Billy Graham, I, I, and I'd love to pick his brain. Well, I guess we'll have to sit down in heaven and ask him what his opinion is, as if it would really matter then. But yeah, so so true Christian is kind of the identity. So, so what I began to think is... Can a Christian be led astray? So I did some, I did some, some, some word search and some study of New Testament passages and Old Testament passages, and I believe that people can be led astray. Let me share a couple of verses with you. Two verses: one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. And then I want to kind of get your thought on it. Okay, so this is the first thing that I found about being led astray, where I thought, okay. Okay, Proverbs 20, verse 1. This is something that I've never really thought of. And all these verses will be in the ESV, the English Standard Version. Proverbs 21 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So then I begin to think, are there true, true, true Christians who could be led astray by wine and strong drink? Well, my answer to that is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is a, there is a, you know, in the new Testament, you know, don't, don't be drunk with alcohol wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. So, so I've initially thought, can other things lead true Christians away? And I think they can also in the new Testament and a few other verses I'll be mentioning later, there are so many verses about not being led astray or not being deceived. James 1 do not be deceived. My beloved brothers. And so that's what what I was kind of thinking about is, yes, true Christians can be deceived. And I I almost put that deception in with a parenthetical statement of, I want to say more about this deception that is coming. You know, I want to say more about this, but eternally or in the way of salvation, my answer is no. But are there other straying factors that could enter a Christian's life? My answer is yes. I would agree with that. Um, When I look at a question like that, I just, I begin to pick apart the words. Uh So how would we describe a Christian? How would you describe a Christian? If you were, if you were talking to someone that had no idea, a definition of who a Christian is or what mm-hmm. makes a person a Christian, mm-hmm. how would you describe that? I think I know what I would say. 
Okay. What would you say? Okay, let, let me let me go back and paint a picture for you. A few years ago, I was pastoring right here at Trinity Baptist Church. There was someone in our community who was who was not an American person. They had a language barrier. They came to our town with a business. It wasn't very long until she and her husband showed up at church one Sunday. And with their background, she identified as a Christian. She showed up at our church. Our church is on the main drag here in Fulton, Mississippi. They were outside actually reading the sign of when the services started, one of our deacons saw them and invited them in. And there was a language barrier or gap. And then there was the issue of her national religion that had hindered us. We wanted to make sure she understood what Christianity was. So we had to really put everything down on a on a common denominator, lowest common denominator basics. And so what we did, and I try to say this often in the pulpit is I believe a Christian is a person who identifies with the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. That's how I say it. Uh, I say it like that to make sure that everyone understands all of the essentials of what we're discussing when it comes to Jesus. I'm not talking about a social Jesus. I'm not talking about a, a Jesus that you might have heard of several. I'm, we're talking about the virgin born, the sinless life living, the sacrificial death dying, the borrowed tomb burying, the resurrected by the power of God resurrecting and then the ascending <laughs> to the right hand of the father, Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I say it. Maybe I give too much. Maybe I give too little. So what would you, I, so that's someone who identifies and has submitted to repented of sin, acknowledged Jesus as Lord. So if we were going to condense that down, we might would even say a person who believes, uh-huh. uh, believes Jesus's life, mm -hmm. believes all that he taught mm -hmm. and even puts into practice what they, yes. so not only believe, yes. but practice as well. Uh, there's a theology book that I was, I was reading just, just to try to get some understanding of, of where we were going. Yeah. And there was, he quotes from James Orr. Mm -hmm. And James Orr said this, he who with his whole with his whole heart believes in Jesus as the son of God is thereby committed to much else besides. Uh -huh. So he's basically saying committed to Christ over everything else. Uh -huh. He is committed to a view of God, to a view of man, to a view of sin, to a view of redemption, to a view of the purpose of God, creation and history, to a view of human destiny found only in Christianity. Uh -huh. That's, that's uh -huh. basically, so it's He's basically saying it is a person who believes in Jesus uh -huh. and all he taught and uh -huh. also puts into practice what Jesus has taught yeah. and what Jesus believes. I, I think I would say something more. Uh, I think I would say something more like a Christian is a person who is born from above yeah. supernaturally by yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, we don't know exactly how that happens, but that takes into yeah. uh, takes into account John chapter three when Jesus yeah. is talking to Nicodemus. So, someone who believes in Jesus, yeah, believes his teachings, yeah, and practices those.
teachings. Yeah. All right. With the quote you just read, this is going, we're going to take a sidebar. Is that okay? We'll take yeah. a sidebar. All right. We'll, we'll hunt rabbits. All right. Let's go hunt rabbits just for a little bit. You mentioned something that I have noticed practically I've gotten away from saying. The other day, someone said this, the other day, like in the past two weeks, I heard it said, and I thought, you don't hear that much anymore. And it was in that quote right there. And this is something I want to ask you about. I have gotten away from it for a practical reason. But he said, if you believe with your whole heart, many times, whenever I was growing up, now I was born way back in 1980, you were born way back in 1982. Ooh, yes. Yes. Yeah, been many moons since then. And so we were raised saying, invite Jesus into your heart. And Thomas, I don't know the last time I said that. I, I want to talk about actively placing faith in Christ, repenting of sin, following Jesus's will, uh, identifying with the Christian community, following Lord and believers baptism. I've gotten away from talking about heart, whole heart, Jesus into your heart. I understand whenever my pastor in 1991 said that from the pulpit of Shiloh Baptist Church in Corinth, I understand what he was meaning, but I noticed today we've gotten away from saying that. Do you agree? Yes, we have. And and I'm not sure if I actually say that much anymore as well. Yeah. Typically, what I say is uh, something like, we need to follow Jesus closely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, because there should yeah. be this closeness into, yeah. uh, into, into following Christ. And when we're not following cl yeah. Christ closely, yeah. we're following him far away. <laughs> so it's, I, I'm, I'm. <laughs> But I would say it would be a synonym of whole heart. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Whole life, you know, but yeah. but I say it in a way following You, you know what we should closely. start saying? I think we ought to bring it back to the biblical thing. The center of emotion that thought was bowels. Invite yeah. Jesus into your bowels. That's bowels what we should start saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is so interesting. If the Lord tarries another 100 years, there, there will be things that you and I are saying right now that somebody will... Maybe not debunk the theology, but they'll debunk the practical side of our speech and say, well, now that Haynes and Majors, they were saying, but they really meant, you know, whatever else. So it's it's a bit of semantics. Would you agree? Yes. And sometimes we overcorrect. Yeah. Uh, there, I don't think there's anything theologically wrong with saying whole heart or invite Jesus into your heart. Right. Because yeah. I. What the person is meaning is the realm of emotion, uh, uh, will, the totality of a person's the life. Center of who you are. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. But people have overcorrected for that and said, yeah. well, I mean, the heart is a muscle. And <laughs> what do you about Jesus in there, muscle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of yeah. overcorrection. And, but that wasn't the whole point of it. That's right. It was metaphor. It was illustrative language yeah but yeah. jesus used illustrative language in his oh man he did didn't in his he? preaching yeah he did. yeah if you're if your right eye causes you to sin pluck it out you know and hyperbolic language where yeah 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 it's I, like I, a sower who went out to yeah. sow his uh field <laughs> yeah. with seed you know <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. pretty illustrative yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. all right so okay we better get back on uh we better people are gonna get mad at us no nah, yeah. they ain't gonna care <laughs> <laughs> so how would you define cult? Now I've thought okay. about this. Okay. So okay. All right. So all right, well, you want do you want to tell what how you would define cult, or do you want me to read one passage where I have it defined in scripture, and you might can springboard from this from this. 
Oh yeah, go for it. All right, all right. Let me let me re- I want to read two more passages to you. All right, three. Just very quickly. Luke twenty one eight. Jesus says, "See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am He. The time is at hand. Do not go after them." So Jesus says it's coming. First John two twenty six says, "I write these things to you." about those who are trying to deceive you. So Jesus says they're coming. John says they're here and I'm writing because of their deception. Now I like this in first John chapter four, this lets us know something about those who are deceivers. But I think this first John four is what we would now consider elementary deception. Comparatively speaking, we're 1900 years removed, removed from first John and, 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 and deception has grown by leaps and bounds. But listen to what first John four, one through three says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is already in the world by me saying previously that this is elementary i believe verse two kind of hits on that where it was talking about you know back in that day they were having issue with matter and sinfulness could jesus be in the flesh could he have a body a a body of flesh and bone and not be sinful and so i think now the deception has grown from that where john said yeah if they say jesus has come in the flesh they are okay but now i even had someone ask me this several weeks ago at trinity baptist they said but don't most false prophets today who are sheep in wolves in sheep's clothing, they are in Baptist churches or Methodist churches or Pentecostal churches, but they are not true prophets or true teachers. Wouldn't they all say, even the false ones, wouldn't they say that Jesus has come in the flesh? And my answer to that question was, yeah, they probably would. They probably would now because of verses like this right here, yet they are still being deceptive and they are still leading people astray from the gospel. So now, so I would use that to kind of form my basics around it. And now my answer is, I think you asked, what would my answer be? Right. Anyone that adds to or takes away from Jesus. Is it Jesus plus anything or Jesus minus anything? If we get away from Jesus, then we are deceptive in the teaching of Jesus. So what are you thinking, Thomas? So, and I don't remember exactly where I got this from, Yeah, but typically I define cult based upon three different criteria. Ooh. So one of them is a, a sociology, okay. a sociological uh, view of a cult would be a cult is a group of people who have these uh, restrictions that that a person gets into, and it is very hard to break free from gotcha. this group. And so it would be a cult. Think of people who have to sneak away in the middle of the night to try to get away from uh, this group of people yeah. who controls the whole group. That would be a sociological definition. Much like Jim Jones, Jonestown of the 1970s, late 70s. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yes. And then a psychological definition of cult would probably be a group of people who uh, who psychologically uh, change a person's mind and way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so even think about Jim Jones mm-hmm. because yeah. of drinking the Kool-Aid. That's you right. Know? I mean, That's these right. people literally drink this Kool-Aid and, and died. They 
We yeah. think they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they had had practice runs, according to a documentary I watched a couple of weeks ago. That was they had at least one prior practice run where everyone drank what they thought was cyanide, and it was just Kool Aid. Ha ha he he, uh, wasn't that funny? And then later on, it was it was the real thing. They knew it was happening. Yeah, wow. And then of course theologically. Yeah. That would be basically how you used it in your definition just a moment ago. Theologically, yeah. it is a group of people who stray away from mm-hmm. the historical, from the biblical, historical, orthodox Christianity that yeah. we have throughout the centuries. Yeah. So yeah. a group like Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. According to Southern Baptist uh, Convention and theologians and scholars, they are a cult because mm-hmm. they take away from the divinity of Christ. And the same would be for the Church of Latter-day Saints because mm-hmm. they take away from the divinity, but then they also add to. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you said, you said, I would define a cult as anyone who takes uh-huh. away... Uh-huh. Or adds to. Watch out. Right. Watch out. Yes. So and I might have I might have over I might have misspoke. Tell me more. What no, 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 no. That's <laughs> I heard a lecture by an apologist. This has been wow, this has been quite a few years ago now, seven, eight years ago, I guess. Maybe, maybe longer. Uh-huh. But he always described a cult as the uh the mathematics of cults. Okay. Because it's a problem of addition. Uh-huh. It's a problem of subtraction. Uh-huh. It's a problem of multiplication, and it's a problem of division. Uh-huh. And so, and he would go through. They would say, "Look at this cult," and he would show a cult. And he said, "What's the problem here? They're addition. They're adding to something gotcha. to the divinity of Christ." Yeah. Are there? Are he would say, "Look at this cult," and what yeah. was the problem? They were subtracting something yeah. from the divinity of Christ, or they were adding something to yeah. the humanity of Christ. So what was subtract- the multiplication? The prophet saying he was Christ also? Multiplication Multiple. would be like, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm sure you do. You're sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wanting to think it was the multiplication of of revelation. Uh-huh, you know, yeah, all of yeah. the different I've revelation. heard, and it's apart from Scripture. Exactly. Yeah. And then the division was, of course, the division of the people mm-hmm. and and how it uh, yeah. divides historical Christianity. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting. I, yeah. It was just one of those things that's always stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that right, that's a really good thought. Hey, let me let me ask you this. When, when we're talking about being led astray, not but well, let's talk about, not really cults, but being led astray, can... Good churches be led astray from the gospel message from either of the two L's, liberalism, legalism. What do you think? Yes. I think so too. I, I think, think so. so. I, think, I, think, I think liberalism and legalism can distract from the grace offered in Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who was it? I think there was a guy who was on... Uh, our podcast one time, yeah, maybe, maybe was he was name? a co-host a of co-host? the podcast. Co-host of the podcast, who uh, <laughs> who had a church member that became a Judaizer. Oh, I remember that guy. He was a pastor of uh, he was a pastor of a church. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Now, it wasn't me. It, it was you though. Yes, he had a guy who left and became a, a Jewish a Jewish I, person. Yeah, converted. Basically, to said that you had to become a Jew in order to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. And started keeping the Jewish yeah. dietary laws yeah. and the uh, Old Testament 
laws and restrictions and was worshiping on Saturday and yeah. tried to get us to move our worship services to Saturday. Yeah. And so, and it, and so yes, was, I would agree. Legalism, and, and, people can be <laughs> led astray by legalism. Yes. All right, we got just a few minutes. Just a few. Oh. Just a few minutes. Okay. 27 yeah. minutes right now. Yeah. But we really haven't a- answered the question. Right, wait, we have answered the question. We've both said, yeah. can a true Christian be led away by a cult? And we both answered basically, no. 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 So we need to talk a little bit about eternal security, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how, how do we know that? And basically the argument is this, right? Mm. We know that a person is a true Christian because they persevere in the faith. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would agree with that. I do. Uh, I do. And and that's really when we talk about is, eternal security of the believer, mm-hmm. we're not we're not necessarily that's not a front end kind of thing. Would you I, I would agree. That's that's a back end kind of thing. It, right? See, a lot of times some people have hmm. said it's a front end type of thing. All right, so you are saved, you're front end eternal security. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to antinomianism. There is no law. I can do whatever I want to do. Yeah, and right. I can I can sin as much as I want to. Yeah. But, and right. Of course, heaven forbid. Yeah. God forbid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So I would say peace and joy would be front end benefits of salvation where eternal security should be a later in life, end of years, end of days kind of security. And, and the peace. peace and the joy and the presence of the Holy Spirit, yeah. the the redeeming work of the Holy Spirit, the reform, the reforming work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life can give assurance of salvation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I've always said that until a person begins to serve, they may have difficulty with eternal security because if it is only they have placed faith in the Lord and they've done nothing else, they've never followed the Lord and believers baptism. They've never gotten plugged in. They've never been discipled or started discipling. That question might linger. But after you are a, after you've been discipled and then you are a disciple maker, uh, eternal security, it, it becomes part of who you are much more so than just in those initial days and hours, you know, of salvation, I I think. Right. And I think talking about eternal security and saying it's mainly a back-end type thing instead Mm -hmm. of a front-end type thing, Yeah, (laughs) uh, it it aligns really with 1 John, right? They went out from us. Yeah, they were not of us. Because they were not of us. It's real simple. Yeah. That's right. And if they would have been of us, they would have remained with us. Yeah, that's right. I mean, basically, that's the argument that John is making in that passage. So, yeah, you know, Thomas, I found a really good hymn. I found a really good hymn. Uh, 1787. Neither of us were alive then. I found a really good her. Uh, her <laughs> name is Amanda. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> have I told you you're a jerk lately? <laughs> Not today. <laughs> well, I have now. All right. So 1787, John Rippon, I believe. Six verse, how firm a foundation. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. So yeah, Amen. we lean on a firm foundation and we are secure. So yeah, I agree. So when it comes to can a Christian, true Christian, be led astray by a cult, in some sense, we may say that a, a Christian 
may fall under the influence, mm-hmm. uh, but a true Christian is not going to lose their salvation, right. is not going to follow that path very long. Yeah, their but eyes will be open. Their eyes will be open. They yeah. will be drawn back yeah. and they will continue following closely behind Jesus. With all their heart. With all their heart. (laughs) That is right, man. Well, podcast listeners, thank you so much for tuning in again. We hope that you join us again next time.